Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. But as it often seems this time of the year, it always ends up we got two different things that we want to celebrate, so we cram them onto the same day, and I'm always like, thank you. But today, I think that works. We're going to begin by acknowledging our graduates, yes? And it is a wonderful time, is it not, when photos of graduates start rolling in. I don't know about you, but my social media feed for the last, what, month or so, has it started with, there was a lot of traveling to go see family, I saw a lot of that, and then all the college stuff started coming in, and then all the high school stuff coming in, and now I'm seeing a lot of really tiny graduates, like all the preschool and like kindergarten graduations are rolling in. There's a season to this, and they are all coming through, and my timeline is just full of them, and I'm like, how many times are we going to graduate? But that's a different thing, everybody is graduating from something, and it's a joy to watch people celebrate. And shoot, I would encourage you, even now, if you've got a phone, actually take it out and just flip through and see how many, see how many graduation photos you run across in the span of like three swipes. I guarantee it's a lot. And that's wonderful. And it reminds you, remind yourself of those in your life who have accomplished something of value. Certainly, there are a lot of different ways to accomplish things, but this seems to matter in our culture, does it not? It is still one of those times we all understand we should stop and celebrate what another individual has achieved. Everyone from preschool graduations to PhDs. And perhaps first and foremost, if I may, maybe we stop and make a quick list, at least a mental list of those who we see on our feeds who are graduating and allow that to build a prayer list for the next couple of weeks. Simply just pray for these souls as they transition from one spot in their life to another. Some of those with low stakes, some of those with very, very high stakes. But nevertheless, these transitions are places where God leads us into new realities, and it's a joy to pray for them. But I enjoy these photos in particular because there's always two kinds, right? There's always a choreography to the way we take pictures. None of you, none of you online, none of us take unique photographs. We always take the same two categories of photographs. And the first category is always the single shot, yes? And there's there's always, and there's kind of a couple different categories in the single shot. They're the kids who are happy to be very, very proud about their accomplishments. And they puff that chest out and they smile. There are others who are like, I don't like taking pictures. And so they kind of do this, and like maybe there's a little bit, all right? I've got both of these people in my own immediate family. I won't say who's who. I'll let you guess. Okay. But there's a, but there's a couple different ways it breaks down, but you've seen these photos. So there's always the individual shot. And then there's the group photo. And group photos come in a couple different ways. I'd like to share one of these group photos with you. Josh, would you mind putting up a picture that I found just the other day? So that's my graduating class. And I'm the guy, one, two, three, in the blue, on the left, with the stupid looking smile. Yeah, that's me. They stuck me in the back for a reason, and we all just piled on top of one another. This is my marching band group, this is my high school group. Not my baseball guys, by the way, but these, these were my people. And we were having a wonderful time at McDaniel College when we finally graduated. I wanted you to get a laugh out of how silly your pastor was. But group photos break down in a couple different ways too, right? We get the classmates photos. We get the immediate family photo, 
Okay, and sometimes that's a little weird. Like, am I supposed to put my arm around mom? Am I supposed to do this? You know, what do I do with the grandparents? You know, they're not sure. And I, even with COVID, am I supposed to breathe on them? So now there's this awkward distance kind of thing. Like, we're trying to figure this out. There's the really awkward ones, which tend to be the sibling photos. Those are the ones you're like, you know, just, okay, thank you. And the other one's like, yeah, congratulations. Your mom's favorite. We all know. All right, that kind of thing. And then, of course, as we said, the friends photo. The friends photos are often my favorite. The one photo, by the way, that is regularly missing, and I lament this, and I suspect there are many in here that would lament it as well. I so rarely get the teacher photo. I would love to get more photos of teachers that show up and take a moment and take some photos with some of the students that really mattered to them. That's something I wish I saw more of. And when I do, I always wonder, I wonder what that relationship was. It, that's the one that kind of spurs some questions for me. Like, why this teacher and what difference did they make? But nevertheless, who inserts them? But these group photos are about who inserts themselves into a person's life and leaves not just a record of grades, but leaves fingerprints leaves a legacy in somebody else's life. That's what I love about group photos. Who matters and how do they matter to this person? Because each one of these group photos is telling us something, is it not? It is revealing a deep well of meaning in a person's life that is inaccessible to you and me, but nevertheless we can discern its presence. In my own photo that was shown, you can't know the stories that I shared with every person in that photo, but you know there were stories that mattered, right? You can tell that even without knowing a single name. There's this deep well of meaning that comes from photos, and that's what makes it so much fun. These photos tell a story, and they attempt to capture meaning when meaning cannot be spoken, only displayed. And the meaning in all of these photographs, breaks down, as there are kind of two categories of photos, it breaks down into two kinds of meaning. The individual photos remind us that you did this. And that matters, right? We celebrate that individual. And yet, those group photos remind us, just as truthfully, you didn't do it alone. And in a way, we did this. Both things are absolutely 100% true. Our reality is always that complicated, isn't it? We are ourselves. We are individuals. And yet we are never fully ourselves. We are never fully and only just an individual, right? It is always these two poles in between which we are pulled one way and another. Yes, we make choices and decisions that make a difference in our lives, and we are tasked with those decisions. At the while, there are so many choices and decisions that are made for us and around us and sometimes have nothing to do with us, but they affect us, and they change our lives just as much. And if this is true, then, it's wise for us that we always keep our eyes and keep our faith trained on both these things. We take responsibility for who we are, yes, and the decisions that we make, the way we identify ourselves, the way we understand ourselves. But at the same time, we should also be aware and attentive of those whom we spend time with and what choices we make collectively as part of a family, a community, yes, even society. Because we are self-determined and we are never self-determined. Both these things are true. And if that's how we make meaning and find a place of purpose in our own lives, 
Is it any surprise then that God, as we perceive God, might also reflect some of that reality? It's actually, in some ways, a backwards way you might think of doing theology. But if we are told that we are made in the image of God, and we are individual and yet never just an individual, we're always part of a community, it stands to reason then that perhaps our understanding of God might reflect these two things as well. And if we're thinking about how God is and how God presents to the world and how we make meaning from the presence of God, well then, friends, I regret to inform some of us that we have officially stepped over into the realm of theology. We are now all theologians the moment we say, how is God? And to that end, today we celebrate Trinity Sunday. It's a unique holiday that is set aside not to, set, not to honor a person or an event. It is one of the few holidays that we have that is set aside to celebrate a doctrine, to celebrate an idea. And here's the thing about doctrine. Since all of us are budding theologians, whether we knew it or not, all doctrine must do two things. For all of its complexity, for all the arguing that we do, for all the tomes that we write about this doctrine and that doctrine, all doctrine needs to do is two things. The first thing it needs to do, good, what good doctrine will do, is help us make sense of our lived reality. If we're telling a story about God and it seems to make no connection to my life whatsoever, then it's not good theology. The good theology we do says, ah, when I think about God that way, my life makes a little bit more sense. I have a little more clarity about who I am and my place in the world. And if we, what we say doesn't mesh with what we are experiencing, we might want to do, come up with some different theological answers. The second thing doctrine must do is that it doesn't just explain us as we are. Good doctrine must call us beyond ourselves. Good doctrine must call us beyond ourselves. What do you mean by that? Well, through faith, through believing in a particular doctrine, through saying, I believe that and therefore I want to live into it, good doctrine will tell us, as it should, that we are deeper, more beautiful, more complex, more loved than even we know. And so good theology says, go explore that. Go deeper in that. Keep pressing on. See what God has to say about who you are at your core and who we are as children of God. Good theology invites us to dive deeper into the truth of ourselves and into the world. And so theology describes our reality and it subtly blows the lid off of our reality. This is why we have the Trinity. The Trinity is an attempt to do these two things at the exact same time. In its simplest terms, you're like, what in the world is this Trinity thing you keep talking about? Well, in its simplest terms, the doctrine of the Trinity says that God is a singular reality. God is one. We are a monotheistic religion. We worship one God. In this way, we draw on our monotheistic roots. The old Israelite Shema, which we see in Scripture time and time again, the call to worship of the Israelites who said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We are undeniably and unapologetically committed to that. There is one God. And remember, Christianity is basically at its core just a sect of Judaism. And so we hold this singular reality of God closely. It is something we've received from our ancestors. We serve one God. But it's made more complex, is it not, by the person of Jesus, who we've been celebrating his story since, well, since Christmas, 
But the Triduum, Good Friday, Easter, Pentecost, all of this, it's all, all this idea of God being one is complicated by the presence of Jesus. Because the followers of Jesus believe that he had a unique relationship to God, unlike anything any other human being has ever experienced. God seemed present in the person of Jesus in a way that was that in a way that God wasn't present even in the great saints of Israel's history. They're like Moses knew God, but there's something different about Jesus. Joseph was doing good things, but there's something different about Jesus. David, a man after God's own heart. Yeah, he was close, but Jesus is still something else entirely. So, so what do we do with that? How do we make sense of that? It, may, it becomes even worse when Jesus comes out and says, I and the Father are one. Huh? Like, God's not a person. That's never what, kind of what we've wrapped our arms around, except that's exactly what the dude said. So we have to ask what that means. And if that wasn't complex enough, then they have the experience of Pentecost, where God was present in a way that they had never experienced God before, but there was no person how could they have this extraordinary experience of God where God's presence fills the room in a way they'd never known before? They've experienced God in such remarkably different ways, and yet God is one. Well, that's the doctrine of the Trinity. God is one, and yet God is three. God is individual, and yet God is community. And both these things are true, but they are only true if they are connected to the other. Now, it is significant, as we continue to process that, that the names that we chose to describe the Trinity were not names based on what the persons of the Trinity do. This was the only win I ever had in seminary. We were talking about the Trinity, and they were discussing how we might move off of the names of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and maybe we do something like Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. We've heard that. In fact, I've used that in worship every once in a while. But I remember raising my hand one time and saying, like, those are all good, but those are not relational terms like Father, Son, Holy Spirit is. And I tell you, as sure as you're sitting here, the seminary professor looks at me and goes, well, I never thought of it that way before. I'm like, win, yes. But it's true. We describe God not in what God does. We describe God in terms of relationship. Because God is not about doing, although God does plenty. God is about being and how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to one another. Trinity helps us to see God not as this static reality to be maneuvered, but God is a dynamic reality in which we enter. God is a relationship into which we are invited. And what is that reality? Well, that reality is love. Only the doctrine of the Trinity, three persons, one God, can unlock love as the heart of God. If God is not Trinity, then God cannot love in quite the same way. Yes, God can still love us, but it's not a love that is co-equal. It is a love of someone who's very powerful versus someone who is not. Only in Trinity is God's love shared equally, powerfully, and keeps moving. So God is love, and God shares this love among the three persons, and then we are invited into that love. In baptism, we are made a new creation through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes into us, and now we exist in this dynamic reality that is God. 
The Holy Spirit lifts us into the life of God. And now we are there, clumsily for sure. We step in it sometimes. We step out of it other times. Sometimes we're not even sure what we're doing here. There's a lot of moving pieces. We are flawed. That's okay. But concretely and surely, as soon as the Holy Spirit comes into us, we exist in the life of God himself. And our faith then reflects this trinity. We are one. We are ourselves. We are not destroyed. We are not broken down. We are still living, moving, and breathing in this world with an individuality that God honors. And yet we are inextricably linked in community. The community that is God and the community that is one another. And only when we embrace this tension, I am myself and I am not only myself, do we discover our truest selves and get called deeper into the mystery of faith. In other words, this doctrine does the two things we need it to do. Describe our reality. Who am I? And invite us to something deeper. We are called into the wisdom that is spoken about in the book of Proverbs. If God is love, then the playfulness that we heard as Kent was reading this morning from wisdom at the beginning of, a crea- at the beginning of creation is an expression of that love. Trinity moves us away from sour faith from guessing at where we're headed. And Trinity moves us to a playful face that explores, seeks, plays, rejoices. And so as we experience peace within ourselves and joy in community, we come to know the beauty of love that isn't just at the heart of God, it is at the heart of all creation. We find joy in ourselves, we find joy in one another. To believe in Trinity is to have faith in love. And to trust that love is always the wisest, most beautiful way of being in the world. It is to love ourselves and to love one another. So to our graduates, and to all of you who have supported our graduates and loved our graduates, we say unequivocally, congratulations. We celebrate who you are and who you are to become. And our prayer is that you would discover more of your truest self through the triune God in the steps that are ahead. But hear us clearly when we say you didn't get here alone and you're not going to keep going alone. And so the questions that you will face in the world are twofold. First, keep asking, who are you? Not who you think yourself to be, not who others are telling you you ought to be, but rather who has God made you to be? Because you were made in love. Because the person that you were made to be is the person we need in the world. We need you to show up as you are, not as the world tries to form you. We need you as you are. And let me tell you, and this I mean this with beauty and with joy, you have not yet discovered who you are yet. You've seen pieces. You haven't figured it all out yet. And that is a joy and a journey we go on. But the next question is opposite and just as essential. Who are the communities to whom you will attach yourselves? To whom will you give yourself? What group will you allow to speak into your life, to help you explore the depths of yourself in the world, to challenge you to become the person that we just described? Who will help unlock the mystery of God around you? Be just as serious about discerning those communities. Try some of them out. They will be faith communities. They will be friend communities. They will be family communities. They will be social communities. Try them out. Go around. See who speaks life into you. 
And in this way, we live this triune reality. We are ourselves, and we are always something more than ourselves. Today, celebrating your accomplishments is evidence of the power of these two goals. We celebrate your individual pictures, and we celebrate those group photos. May these ideas and these people and this doctrine of God's love found in Trinity guide you today and in the days that are ahead for you.